Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. work to this worship team. Y'all give them a hand. Amen. Wow, wow, wow. Um, you may you may be seated. Uh, it'd be good for you to sit down because we're going to be here for a while. Um, no, I'm just kidding, kind of. <laughs> it is good to be back. Good to see you all. Um, and like I said, just in the prayer, just hats off to you all. Um, there's a lot happening here that I was telling the, uh, the, um, the volunteer huddle earlier, um, that what's happening here every single week, and even throughout the week, is just a reflection of the amazing leadership of Pastor John and Kaya. And so, um, so we just want to, where's the camera? Just want to say, we love you. We love you. As a church, we love you. I love you. Thank you for being such good friends to me. Thank you for being such good friends to me. Okay. (laughs) Um, but anyway, so I really mean that. I love the two of you, love your family, love this church and, um, just really, really grateful to be here. Um, I'm grateful to see some, uh, not only the uh, Building Christian Fellowship family and friends, but also some other friends from Hearts Like His, from Liberty Church here. Good to see you all, all over. <laughs> Glad to have you all joining us with us today. And uh, my wife is here somewhere, so all three of our kids are, are here. And so I'm not sure what's happening right now. But um, if we could just intercede in the spirit, that would be great. No, she was in here earlier, so I guess there was a situation. But glad to have my wife and my kids here with us today. That's always a, a blessing. And so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. We're going to be actually hanging out a little bit till tomorrow, hang out with the, with the, uh, do some fun things with our, with our kids. So looking forward to that. So growth group celebration today. Growth group celebration day. You know what? Listen, uh, and I, I, I know we've been clapping a lot today, but I really think you got to give it up one more time to your connection team leaders, Charles and Rachel and Jackie. Come on now. Come on now. They're right over there. They're right over <laughs> And so, uh, so they, they gave me their shirt today. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I... I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, one of the things that I, I want to highlight in our, our time together is just how important, how important it is for the people of God to be in close relationship with each other and how that reflects the nature of God, but also the purpose of God. The nature of God and the purpose of God. So let me ask you this, this question. Um, how many of you know what it's like to feel rejected? Let me see your hands. Right? You know what it's like. And when, when you experience 
rejection, there is an emotional response you have with that. It's painful. It is painful. And these moments can be moments that stick with us for a long, long time when we experience rejection. Uh, as, as a parent, if your kids come home from school and talk about the other kids making fun of them, man, that hurts because, you know, your child has experienced rejection. Uh, maybe they, uh, uh, you know, were trying out for a, a sports team or a cheerleading team, and maybe they didn't make the cut, and they experience rejection. Maybe even as an adult, you applied for a job, and they said, we're not going to hire you, and there is rejection. Certainly even in, in situations of divorce, there is the experience of rejection. And these are memorable because they are emotional. Rejection is something that cuts deep to the heart of our human experience. And the reason why is because we were never created to experience rejection. We were created to be in relationship with each other. We're social beings, social creatures. We were created to be in relationship, in community. And when I, when I say community, I don't mean just people that, who, whose names you know. I mean people who are in close relationship. One, one church, as they were kind of crafting uh, you know, um, words to how they want to communicate their values, one of the things that they said about, about community and relationships is they said, do you have any, any refrigerator friends? The friends who can come to your house and go straight to the refrigerator, say, what you got to eat? See, that, that kind of behavior indicates a level of relationship. Because you can, you can come here every Sunday and not have any refrigerator friends. You, it's possible to be in a crowd and not be connected. Being in a crowd is just about proximity. You are around people. Being connected is about relationships. Knowing people and being known by people. We were created to be in connection, in community, in close relationships. Not just surrounded by people, but connected to people. And people connected us. We were created for people to benefit from who we are and what we have to offer. That can be a blessing to their lives and for us to be on the receiving end of that same thing as well. That's why none of us have everything that we need. God intentionally put some of what you need in other people. And he intentionally put some of what they need in you. And the only way that you're both going to benefit is by being connected. So it's God's plan. God's plan for all human beings to be relationally connected. As a matter of fact, the past few months, a couple years, you know, with the COVID thing, one of the things that just caused people to like really lose their minds was the what? Isolation. 
mental health issues, relational issues, suicide rates went up just across the board because it's not good for man or woman to be alone and not connected to other relationships. I could also ask another question on the opposite end of the spectrum. How many of you have ever experienced true acceptance? True acceptance with people who know you like they know like they know you and are still with you, still love you, still your ride or die, still connected. Like you know what I'm saying? Like they you can and, and that's meaningful too. Because you were created to do that. But here, here's, here's kind of a problem, though. Here's a problem that we run into, especially in our Western version of Christianity, is that our world does not want us to be connected. Our world does not want us to be in close relationship with each other. You've heard the phrase, divide and conquer. Notice, if you're going to conquer, what must you do first? Divide, destroy connection. Another phrase, united we stand, divided we fall. That's not just a Christian principle. That's a human principle. That's about how we were created as human beings. And so certainly then, if there is this built-in need for closed relationships for every human being, certainly then, there must be that as the foundation for Christian community. For church community. If needing closed relationships helps any human being thrive naturally, then certainly a foundation for those of us who want to thrive spiritually, there must be connectivity. There must be close relationships. There must be community that provides the atmosphere the climate, the environment with which to do so. Many times as a pastor and as a, uh, as a chaplain, when people are struggling in their walk with God, oftentimes it's because they're not connected. Like that's in there somewhere. Well, who can you call on when you need help? Well, I don't, I don't know. Well, that's part of the problem. Well, that's, that's just not my personality. No, no, we ain't talking about your personality. Don't believe that lie. Every, every person was created to be in relationship with people. It ain't about your personality. Whether you're extrovert or introvert, you are created to be in relationship. And so the idea of, a, of an extrovert and an introvert the, the real definition is not just a person who likes being around people or an introvert who likes not being around people. No, it's about what charges you up. 
For an extrovert, being around people charges them up. For an introvert, being alone charges them up. But there's nothing there about what is necessary for thriving. Every person, extrovert or introvert, you need close relationships. And if you think in your mind, no, I, just, I just do better by myself, I'm just going to tell you right now, that's a demonic spirit designed to destroy your life. Period. And you listen to the voice of it, you agree with it, and it's going to happen. That's de- Let me tell you why it's demonic. Let me tell you why it's demonic. Because even God himself, who is perfect in every way, he is perfect in love, perfect in holiness, perfect in morality, perfect in, in, um, uh, in, in, in mercy, perfect in faithfulness. He is perfect in every aspect of who he is, and he dwells in community. I don't know what you're talking about. Understand, part of his perfection is his community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And with you being created in the image of God, you are created by a community to be in community. So if there's any other voice telling you that you're better off by yourself, it is demonic. All right, so that's my introduction. All throughout scripture, we see the value of being connected, being connected. And in Ecclesiastes 4.10, it says, you know, if, if, if a person is by themselves and they fall, there's no one to help them up. But if they are with someone and they fall, there's somebody to help them up. It's the benefit of, of community. When Jesus sent his disciples out to, to preach the gospel, he sent them out two by two. So they, he sent them out in relationship. He sent out small communities. And when you see the church growing and thriving, it's in community. Because you were designed to grow in close relationships with other people. Now, I know that for many of us, this church context is probably the first time we've heard this particular emphasis because no other context is telling you that you need a close relationships with people. Your, 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 your job is not telling you that. When you go to the doctor, if you've got aches and pains, the doctor's going to say, you know, listen, I've been looking at your symptoms, and it sounds like you just need some, you know, you, you need to join a growth group. That's what the problem is. <laughs> That's what I'm looking right here. All, the, all these symptoms you're talking about, these are signs of isolation. You, you, are, you are starving for relationship. You're trying to do life by yourself. And your body is showing the evidence of it. But the doctor's not going to say that. That's not in a textbook. It's in this book. If you are serious about becoming like Jesus, if you 
are serious about maturing as a child of God, there is no way you can do it by yourself. No way. Because you have to do it according to the word. And the same word that gives us the gospel, the same word that shows us Jesus, the same word that reveals the heart of God, the same word that talks to us about the Christian life is the word that says it must be in community. And so all around the world, as people are getting saved on every continent, they're gathering together in small groups because they know they cannot do it by themselves. And sometimes they can do it voluntarily, like we have the freedom to do it here, and sometimes they're doing it out of necessity in environments where being a Christian could get you killed. And they're huddling together, they're gathering together to pray for each other, to find strength, to encourage each other. They're doing it. But either way, whether it's voluntary or whether it's under stressful situations, it is the nature of how we grow in the body of Christ. I'm going to read a a, a passage um, in a few minutes, but I want to share with you this this story. Because for some of us, um, learning to live as a spiritual community, that's what the church is, it's a spiritual community, Learning to live as a spiritual community is, has different values and principles than the communities that we grew up with in our homes, our families, our biological families, whether they're all biological or step families or whatever, it doesn't matter. But sometimes there are values we learned in our homes. Maybe they were cultural, maybe there are other issues of heritage that, that we learn some things that prevent us from accepting and embracing what's necessary for us to thrive in a spiritual community. For example, for example, what happens in our house stays in our house. Okay, let me just tell you, that's demonic. Well, you want to sit down and talk about it? What, is that, 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 does that bother you right there? that bother you? Hmm? Hmm? Here's what I want you to see. That that something that's demonic, it it doesn't have to be all like, and evil. It just has to be counter to what God's plan is. That's all. It just has to be counter to what God's plan is. Some of the stuff we see in our world today is demonic. How do we know? It might be subtle. You might even laugh at it. There might be put it in entertaining and movies and music, but it's counter to what God's design is. It's demonic. Okay, so let's heighten our awareness of some of this stuff. Some of of our discernment here, stuff is crazy. It's demonic. Okay, so the things that we have now in our homes, we go, man, I I couldn't, I wouldn't have even imagined that that something that was being said in my home was, was is demonic. Well, let's think about the fruit of that. What ended up happening in that home where you couldn't get help? Where you were taught to keep everything quiet and secret? What happened? Right? Look at the fruit of it. Okay? Demonic. (laughs) Are y'all okay? Because y'all... 
Y'all look like y'all stressing right now. What I want you to see, thank you so much. What I want you to see is that that, like that statement, it creates an environment where things not God's will happen. Where things that are not God's will thrive. It creates an environment and a mentality among people that no matter how much we need help, we can't ask. No matter how much dysfunction is here, we cannot get assistance. We must suffer in silence and in isolation. You can't tell me that's not demonic. It absolutely is. What happens in our house stays in our house. So then, you, if you grow up, that's just one example. I can list a whole bunch of them, but that's just one example of how a mentality in a family now contradicts what you're trying to do in your spiritual family, in church. Because if you go, what happens in our home stays in our home, then you're not going to want other people in your home. Right? You don't want other people in your home, and you're not going to go into other people's home where they're going to want to talk about what's happening in your home. You can't be real and authentic and transparent because you can't have true connection with secrecy. What blocks connection is the fact that I know that I don't want to tell you stuff. And when I don't want to tell you stuff, I know that I'm not going to really feel known by you. We can have chips and dip every week. We can have the football night and all every, I can still come and attend, but I'm not talking to you about what's real because what happens in my home stays in my home. And that, that kind of a lie, it will shut you down and it, and it, and it keeps the atmosphere and you pass it on from one family to the next, like it's generational. Now you got generational secrets of generational dysfunction. And all the while, God is saying, I have placed my spirit inside of my body and inside of my community. And so it's an environment where I will move through my people to heal my people, to restore my people. Listen to what James says. If you confess your faults one to another, you will be healed. He didn't even say, talk to me about it. He says something healing happens on the inside of you when you tell somebody else. I I put that dynamic in the community that when you confess your issues, your mistakes, your faults to each other, it will heal you. There's healing balm in the confession in safe relationships can't tell me I'm going to do this thing by myself. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. It's not healthy. It's not God. It's not biblical. And so part of the challenge of you wanting to grow in your faith, to grow in in your understanding of the word, to grow in being connected with people, is that some of you have to battle what you believe growing up because your family is different from God's family how you grew up in your family has different values different principles than how God has designed 
his family. And this is part of the renewal of our minds. The Holy Spirit has to renew our minds and change our hearts as we become like Jesus. And as I become more and more like Jesus, and I'm talking to you about what's going on with me, and, and you're becoming more like Jesus, and you're sharing with me what, what God's doing in your life, I'm, I'm learning about God by you telling me what he's been doing in your life. I mean, if we just took a moment and just pause and pass this microphone around and say, what has God been doing in your life? We can learn some things about God by every person in this room. I wasn't designed to only know about God by my own experience with him. I was designed to know about God by my experience with him and by your experience with him. And we share that together. When we read the Bible, we're reading about other people's experience with God. And it helps us know God. And we can see some things to do and some things not to do. Let me share this passage with you. So we'll read this verse and it'll make this sermon official. Um, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Now, in this particular passage, it is often emphasized what's called like the five-fold ministry, right? Five-fold ministry. But, but, but oftentimes, even though that's the emphasis, that's not the point. I want to highlight the point of this passage. So the first few verses are, are talking about what I'll call like the beginning of the, of the issue here. But the second part, okay, I want you to look at what the first half points to. All right? The first half, we're going to begin at verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Okay, so you see, that, that's outcome. Okay, it says that Jesus gave these leadership roles, these leadership gifts to the church in order to produce something in the church. They're, they're going to produce this, this, this issue of us becoming unified in our faith and our knowledge of God's son, that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up, number four, to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, he continues to give more symptoms of church health. Verse 14, then, when this happens, when we're mature in the Lord, united in our faith and the knowledge of God's Son, when we're measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, when this happens, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, this is now we're talking outcome. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Watch this. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its 
own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, I promise you, if you open your Bible, that same thing is in there, too. Each part helping the other parts grow. Each part helping us mature in the faith, being united in the faith, growing in our knowledge and understanding of God's son, Jesus Christ. Each part, each part, each part. This is what spiritual community is about. And I'm going to tell you right now. I'm gonna, I'm, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. If stuff goes down here in America and the whole tide turns against Christians, my message today won't be necessary. You're going to find your connections. You get together. You will. I won't have to say nothing. You will be forced to find somebody who can pray with you. You'll be, fo- you'll be looking for somebody who knows how to spell Bible. You will seek them out. You see a, a, a car driving down the street with that little fish emblem on it. You will follow them. Get their phone number, address. Say, hey, we got to stick together. When can we come over? When can, when can, when can we come over? When can we, well, I don't have a house. I just live under a tree. That's fine. We can be some good shade on that tree. It doesn't matter. We just got to get together. We just got to get together. Right? External pressure, because that's what happens in a lot of culture. External pressure, it would force us. It would force us to find each other. It would force us to be so united and and see the need for us to to connect that we would not bother worrying about all the little stupid stuff that can cause division. We wouldn't even care. We'd just be so glad you love Jesus and I love Jesus. Let's work this thing together. How often can we meet? Let's read the gospel of John. Let's connect. Let's talk about follow me. Let's do it. We, we would be connecting. If that, I'm telling you right now, it will happen. When the tide turns, you're going to be seeking each other out. But what I'm saying is we were designed to live this way from a biblical motive. That is God's heart. That it shouldn't take persecution for us to put aside differences to get together. Yeah, I'm telling you right now. Persecution happened. You're going to see Lutherans, Baptists, Pentecostals all, all together. All together. All together. We ain't got time to all this stuff, all the kind of stuff. Because we're going to know that we, we need each other. We need somebody to pray for us and to encourage us. and to, we, we, We're going to need it. We're going to need it. But I'm saying... That that doesn't need to happen in order for us to shift and go, you know what? Maybe I've been doing this thing by myself. Yeah, maybe I've been doing this thing by myself. Yeah, listen, I know you can be gifted and all that, but you are not that awesome to just live life by yourself. You're not. And now, with this growth group celebration Sunday, like this is why it's so necessary. This is why these growth group leaders that we're celebrating today, this is why they do what they're doing. It's not because they're trying to just find another hobby. 
is not because they, they're just not busy enough. They're trying to find something else to do. No, because they understand that the body of Christ needs uh, environments where we can be connected to each other. That we need safe places to say, I need prayer. We need safe places to be encouraged with, with what's going on in your marriage and with your kids or at, at your job or in your finances or in your body physically. Like We need safe places where people can remind us of who we are in Christ. We need safe places where people can help us understand what the word of God means and, and help us, like Paul was saying, grow in our understanding of who Jesus is and, and grow in our unity in the faith. Like We need safe places where we can be supported throughout the world's craziness. We need safe places where your beam of light and my beam of light can gather together in this world of darkness and celebrate and worship God together. People who you know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and I believe he's the way, the truth, and the life. Let's talk together about what we found in Christ. Let's talk together about what we found in Scripture. Let's talk together about how he's answered your prayer and answered my prayer so that both of our faith can increase, that God is a prayer answering God. Let's get connected let's get connected it used to be that we would we would know our neighbors you go out of town and you ask your neighbor to watch your house while you're gone now you got to watch your neighbor while you're gone we don't know our we don't know our neighbors we used to know them but our, our the way our culture is we've just become more isolated we we, we know somebody lives across the street because the car keeps moving in the driveway we don't, we don't see them very, very often. And if we do see them, we're checking the mail. They're checking the mail. Hey, okay. You know, but we don't, we don't really connect. Because culturally, we've learned to do things by ourselves, to be concerned about ourselves. Me, mine, and my family, and that's not the way the Christian life is supposed to be lived. It wasn't that way. We are created to be in a body with each part functioning. We don't have to be jealous of what someone else does. They're gifted in that area. We're gifted in our area. The whole body needs every single part. You are valuable to the body of Christ. I don't care what the world told you. I don't care what some of you, your parents told you. No, you are valuable to God and to the body of Christ. And we can learn from you and you can learn from us. And so these leaders who have opened up their homes, these leaders who have, I was hanging out with them yesterday during their uh, leaders' breakfast, and I was mentioning some of this. I'm like, you know, these leaders, they, 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 they've cleaned up their house so you can come over. They didn't shove stuff in the drawer, vacuum the dog's hair, made you some brownies two or three times because the first batch didn't work. And they, they, they want to be a blessing to you. Like, you don't, there's stuff behind the scenes because they believe in the significance of what they're doing. And there are some of you here today, you would be amazing growth group leaders. You don't have to be a Bible expert. I have a doctorate degree, and I'm not a Bible expert. Doctorate degree means I've read more books and written more papers than you have. That's what it means. I've read a lot of books. <laughs> but that's not what would qualify me to be a growth group leader. Loving God and loving his people and wanting to serve them and create an environment for them to grow. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. And I tell you right now, there's folks with doctor degrees. I would not ever want to be in their group. So, so that's not it. There's something more to it. Again, the values of the body of Christ, the values of God, it's much different. 
It'd be amazing, amazing growth. As a matter of fact, it would help you grow in your faith. One, you can ask, you can ask anybody, any growing disciple of Jesus. What's one of the things that helped you grow the most when you started discipling somebody else? When they were asking questions that you didn't know, you were like, you know what? Uh, let me get back to you on that next week. And then you're reading the scripture. What did it? Pastor, what's the question? What's the answer to this question? Right? It just it spawns you to, to want to do some more. And, and, but it, but it's, it's, it's built in that part of your growth is helping other people grow. But that means serving. That means think about other people. That means thinking outside of just what, what is in it for you. So some of you need to be really thinking about that. Could I host a growth group at my house? I might not be a Bible expert, but I don't need that. I might not even consider myself a leader. I don't need that either. I do want to help people grow. I know what it's like to not have a safe space. I would like to create a safe space for other people. I know why that's important. I do make a mean chili (laughs) that I know God wants me to bless people with. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. So that's why the opportunity that they're talking about is available for you to say, man, I'm not perfect. My whole life ain't all together. But if you're looking for people to create a safe space for other people, man, then I certainly want to recommend the person sitting next to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just checking to see if you're listening. Checking to see if you're listening. When I, when I, growing up, that wasn't something that we did. It wasn't something that we did at all. We were, as, as my, my dad and my mom, we were amazing, amazing leaders amazing Christians, amazing Christian parents, the whole thing. But one thing my dad wanted to do that was a valuable thing to him was that he knew how church folk have a habit to want to talk about. I was in the neighborhood and decided to stop by. Like He was like, he ain't having that. He wanted to keep our family life private and to keep it, and to keep it separate. And we benefited from that. <laughs> and so, um, so that was a valuable thing to him because he saw other people who abused access to the pastor, and he was like, nope, not my kids. Like, my kids are my kids. I want them to have this whole thing of, well, the pastor's kids need to be a certain way. No, they're my kids. I'm raising them. So he wanted to protect us from that. But the other side of that is that he didn't do the whole community thing. So then later on, as I became a pastor, and I had the same mentality, too. Like, I'm not having folks at my house. That's just not how I roll. You know, keep, keep it separate because church folks are crazy. They don't, they don't honor boundaries. <laughs> but then something shifted for me. I said, man, there, there, there's more than just Sunday morning speaking to a group of people that I know God wants me to be a part of. So then I started having a small group at my house. And I remember talking to my dad. My dad, my dad has a smoke. He says, no, what do you mean? Huh? At your house? Is there anywhere else you could have a Bible study? 
I, I love my dad to death. I can't believe. And he, and I was, but I understood what he was saying. I understood. And I said, Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We can do this and still have boundaries. Like people can still know where I live and know what time they should and should not show up. And if they do show up and I don't want them to show up, there's a strong door and deadbolt lock they must contend with. <laughs> now, and so my, my dad, he started thinking about it a little different. He's, he's old school, like, nah, we, you know, but he started thinking about it a little different. I'm like, dad, like, in, in the word, like, this is what, he goes, yeah, you're, so we had some conversations about it, but my point is that I, too, had to think about shifting. I understood the value of what my dad was saying. We enjoyed the privacy of being able to be, be kids and not have to worry about what, but but now, but God was calling me to do something a little different. So I had to shift from how I grew up, right? I mean, again, so many other amazing things that my dad passed on to me. But I had to shift from how I grew up to how I believe God was calling me to function in the body of Christ. So I had small groups in my home. We hang out for a long time. And here's the deal. I don't, I don't cook. Like, I need a recipe to make ice. Like, I'm not that dude that, that's... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the hospital, Carmel, I'm not hospitality. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting a ribbon on no dirt. If it's dirt, it's just dirt. <laughs> I'm not hospitality. So if you, if you, if you came to my house, there's not gonna be no, it's not going to look like Thanksgiving every week. That's not. But I didn't have to be the way that other people were doing their group. I could do the group my way. He said, I can still be me. <laughs> You're laughing a little too hard at that. You're laughing a little too. <laughs> well, I can do it my way. And it can be healthy and it can be fun and they can grow and I can grow and I can learn from them and they can learn from me. And, I, and I've had multiple small groups now. When I went to Afghanistan, guess what I did? Small group. Soldiers. Airmen. Small group. There are people right now in my Hearts Like His Facebook community who I met in Afghanistan in 2010 because they were in my small group. We're still connected right now. Relationships, connections. So those of you, if you're on the fence about thinking about, you know, should I do this? And listen, here's the deal. Sign up. Get more information. Right? When you sign up, it's, it's not, you're not signing your life away. They're not asking for your social security number. None of that. You're not, no, sign up and go to the first training. See if it's for you. Get more information. Ask some questions, right? It's not, it's not in stone. If it doesn't work for you, then okay, but, but take the step. And as these people are, are, are getting signed up the next few weeks, getting trained and prepared to be these leaders, I want you to be thinking about it. If you're not connected in a growth group, be thinking about it. Why am I not connected? What is my belief right now that prevents me from going to somebody's home, from being connected in a relationship? What is, what is the fear? Is it the fear of being known? Is it the fear of people seeing how, how my life is not put together? Let me tell you something. In, in a growth group, you discover everybody's life ain't all together. Don't let that lie keep you from... You don't, you don't lead a growth group because you're perfect. You don't join a growth group because you're perfect. There's only one who's perfect. And he's perfecting us together in groups. <laughs> all right? All right, so that's, that's all I wanted to... I wanted to share today. I, I, just that I just want to encourage you 
because as things get crazy, you're going to need each other. And coming together in a large group, this is one aspect of your Christian experience. But being together in a smaller group is another aspect of it that helps strengthen you. So I encourage you to step up and lead. If you're married, yeah, talk, talk with your spouse, right? And if, if, if you're not, then you continue to pray about it. But I encourage you to sign, at least get more information. Get more information. And if you're not thinking about leading, then at least for sure start getting your heart ready to join when these groups open up in a few weeks. Okay? To join. Get connected. And stay connected. Amen? Amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.